Hi, glad you could join me again. Gary Zacharias with the Apologist Bookshelf, another podcast. I'm taking a second look at a book called Am I Just My Brain by Sharon Dirks, D-I-R-C-K-X. And I want to look at a chapter, which is a really important chapter. Well, the whole book is important because we're hearing more and more people challenging the Christian view that we have a mind as well as a brain, that um, today it's all about naturalism, materialism, that all we are is just flesh and bone and our brain is it and free will is an illusion and all sorts of things. So let's look at this chapter. Is free will an illusion? And she says, you know, we make decisions all the time. What to eat for breakfast or what classes to take, where to live, and on and on. And so sometimes we get it right and reap some rewards. Well, yeah, but sometimes we make wrong decisions, we pay for it. But she says, either way, the decision appears real and meaningful to us. Yeah, it does. But she says, you know, if we're just brains, are we really free in any sense? A number of scientists are starting to say no. And we think we're making free choices, but the argument today is that free will is just an illusion. We're just doing what our brains tell us. And she uses as an example uh, some writings by Sam Harris. And Harris wrote a book called Free Will. And he described a terrible, brutal attack on a family in Connecticut by two men. And according to him, the attackers couldn't have done anything any differently. They started out just to make it a robbery, but they ended up killing people in the house. And uh, I'll just do a little part of the quote here from Harris. But he said, if I'd been in this man's shoes, talking about one of the murderers, if I had his genes and life experience and an identical brain in an identical state, I would have acted exactly as he did. There's no intellectual position from which to deny this. How can we make sense of our lives and hold people accountable for their choices given the unconscious origins of our conscious mind? Free will is an illusion. Our wills are simply not of our own making. Thoughts and intentions emerge from the background causes of which we are unaware and over which we exert no conscious control. We do not have the freedom we think we have. Now, isn't that grim? That is just absolutely grim. And she makes an interesting point, a little bit of irony here, because if you think about it, that's a self-refuting point that uh, Harris just made. She says, that's disturbing to hear a respected scientist make a dogmatic statement that implies we can't ascribe any meaning to what he's writing. You ever think about that? That's really interesting. First of all, he didn't have, if he had no free will, then he had no choice about what to write. So why should we trust that what he wrote is accurate? He had to write that. Uh, so why is he getting paid for it? He should just say, no, you keep the money. I had to do this. And he said, we shouldn't ascribe any meaning to what he was writing. Uh, we wouldn't know either. So we can't, we can't reason, we can't argue, we can't change minds. Okay, anyway, that's me taking off on an angle here. So she says, um, let's take a look. There are three ways that people are dealing with this idea of free will and all. First one she calls hard determinism. Second one is called compatibilism or soft determinism. And then libertarianism. So here are three possibilities that philosophers have uh, talked about. So hard determinism, that's the belief that prior causes guarantee a particular outcome. Okay, so prior causes guarantee human decisions. So a determinist, a hard determinist, says the human brain and the choices 
are entirely determined by prior causes. It's like a machine. It, uh, you know, the brain is just a machine. It's just operating according to fixed processes. So no free will. So as an example, that murderer, everything was determined by his upbringing and his genes and his brain activity on that day. Wow. Nietzsche also held that view. So she says, is Harris correct? This is the only intellectually credible position? No. She said they're libertarians and compatibilists. So we'll get to that one, uh, those two views, in just a second. According to those two views, libertarianism and compatibilism, the human will is not illusory. Libertarians say we always have the ability to choose freely without any constraint. And you have compatibilists argue that we're largely determined, but we could act freely under certain conditions. So let's take compatibilism. Here's the second view. So you got hard determinism, that's Harris. Now you got compatibilism, it's called sometimes soft determinism. It says the determinism is true, but it's also compatible, there's that word, with free will. We can act freely when we're not being constrained or seeking to fulfill our desires. So she says they see it kind of like flying an airplane. You've got autopilot, that takes care of much of the flight, but the pilot's still able to make decisions from the cockpit without coercion. So when it comes to the human brain, the compatibilists say it's hard to deny some level of determinism. You've got genetics, you've got upbringing, that shapes the brain for a lot of people. And she says that fixed properties of the brain provide some structure and order, but we have the capacity because of that to act freely under certain conditions. David Hume held that view, and so does Daniel Dennett. She said, actually, a number of Christians are also compatibilists. Then you got the third position that are held by philosophers. That's libertarianism. And she sa says that its proponents say, if determinism is true, there is no such thing as free will. So determinism and free will don't coexist. So libertarians believe human freedom means freedom from all constraints. That Sam Harris, if he was that killer, did have choice, and he did not have to commit those crimes. Any influences that we have from our genes or our upbringing or surroundings can be bypassed. We are the source. Our People are the source of their actions. Brains don't make choices. People make choices. The will resides in the mind of the person. So I think uh, that's probably the general Christian position. She said, well, some libertarians will approach this idea, the, the fact that uh, we're not hardwired to do things because... You look at the brain on the atomic scale. It's not locked into particular patterns or responses like we think. It may have some properties that explain free will. And she talks about Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, that you have brain tissue and blood tissue inside the blood vessels and all, that we can know them with certainty in the brain. But at the quantum level, there's a lot of uncertainty. She says, there's a, one philosopher said, nature is fundamentally fuzzy. So some libertarians say that these quantum decisions there that are uncertain, that they're directed by the mind, and they describe it as somehow the mind impacts brain function without breaking any physical laws. Others say well, that's just random and too small to exert any kind of changes. So there's an argument there going on. Uh, opponents of libertarianism say, well, that kind of chaotic functioning brain, that's just not much of a threat to free will. This is a fixed and determined brain. She said libertarians also then talk about what they call downward causation. 
So she said the brain is plastic and it does respond to its environment. It doesn't just impact the mind. The mind impacts the brain. So downward causation says that there is not just a one-way traffic from the brain to the mind. There are lanes in the opposite direction from the mind to the brain. So we're not just at the mercy of our neurons. Well, that stuff's pretty uh, head-scratching, isn't it? She said, uh, let's go to the next section here. It's called free agents. She says most of the conversation surrounding free will is taken up with how the brain events can lead to mental events, how neurons impact thoughts, or in other words, how one domino causes the next one to fall. So if you're a physicalist, materialist, dominoes are all that exist. If one falls, knocks another one down, knocks another one down, and that's how it's done. There's no free will. But she says, wait a minute. Anybody who's seen a domino cascade knows that there's one action that's crucial to its success that was not caused by a domino. There's a finger movement of a person that set it all going. So that's called agent causation. One event causes another and causes another, but there's a free agent that got the whole thing going. And if that's correct, then genuine libertarian freedom remains viable. Our brains don't make decisions. We make them as volitional human beings. Well, for a long time, she said, philosophers have debated this whole free will thing for many centuries, but it's been the rise of modern neuroscience that has led recently to attempts to undermine this idea of free will, and they've done it in the lab. I guess in 1983, there's a man named Lieber, L-I-B-E-R. He had a huge impact on this question. He had uh, hooked people up to EEGs, and people were instructed to move their finger whenever they chose, and then they'd know, they would notice what was going on in the brain at the same time. And it was really controversial results. It looked like the brain started firing before the finger movement, even before the person consciously chose to move it. So the idea was, hey, hey, we've proved uh, determinism. The brain drives the person because the brain decided to do something even before the person said he or she decided to move a finger. Well, she says, well, what sense do we make out of all this data? But it said, uh, if you really look at, th there were a lot of problems with this data. The decision to move and the firing of the brain occurred at the same time in many of the people there. Later studies showed little or no early activity in the, in the brain. So that seems to have kind of fallen apart. Then there's neurosurgeon Penfield, Manny Penfield. He uh, started out as a materialist and did a lot of research on this. And here's what he found out. His research left him with no choice but to conclude that some activities of the mind cannot be accounted for by the brain. And it says, even if impulses do arise in the brain without our being aware of it, we can allow them or we could stop them. We do that all the time. We have self-control. We resist temptation. She uses her example. Sometimes she has an impulse to eat sweets in the afternoon, but she says, I've got a choice. I can give in to this or eat something better for me that's on my desk. She said, my children occasionally have the impulse to whack their sibling over the head, <laughs> but they have a choice whether to follow through or diffuse it some way. And so she said, uh, that seems to suggest something called free won't. Not free will, but free won't. And she says, one philosopher, Michael Shermer, says, free won't is veto power over innumerable neural impulses tempting us to act in one way, such that our decision to act in another way is a real choice. 
And uh, it says even Lieber, the guy that had that original study, that experiment, he said he does actually, in fact, believe in free will precisely because of free won't. So she said, uh, this is a quote from him, the role of conscious free will would be not to initiate a voluntary act, but to control whether the act takes place. So last part of the chapter, let me see if I'm getting toward the end here. Yeah, so last part of the chapter, she says, is hard determinism coherent? And she's going to ask three questions. So is do, do we want to end up on hard determinism? Well, only if it'll pass helpful questions to test a belief or a worldview. Here's the first one. Is it internally coherent? Second, is it externally relevant? And third, can it be lived? So she says, look at these three questions when it comes to hard determinism. Is it internally coherent? Does it make sense, even according to its own reference? Well, no. She says, not really. Hard determinism makes it difficult to assert any personally held belief. She says, think about it. Religious people are accused of being programmed to believe in God, but you could flip it right around. You make the opposite case. The atheists have been programmed to reject God, or an agnostic has been programmed to sit on the fence. Hard determinism doesn't show any favoritism regarding one belief or over another. It makes personally held beliefs difficult to justify, and you can't critique them, including hard determinism. Really an interesting point. We're back to that self-refuting idea again here. She says, if all thoughts are driven by some kind of mechanistic mechanistic forces, it doesn't follow that the output of our minds will be rational. In other words, hard determinism brings human rationality under fire. Exactly right. If we're just subject to chemicals and neurons firing, why, why do we trust that? It seems like it throws rationality out the window. Here's that second question then. Does it have explanatory power? Does hard determinism make sense of the world around us? No, she says, not really. It doesn't make sense of the fact that we humans strive for autonomy. Secularists tell us free will is an illusion, but if that's true, why do we imagine it's real? I'll tell you, part of it too, of course, is if they say free will is an illusion, my question would be, so who's having the illusion? I'd say it's our minds. Well, we're back to the problem again that they don't want to say there's a mind. Why strive for autonomy, she says, if human freedom is an illusion? There's a contradiction there. Are we free to make our own rules or not? Here's the third test, talking about worldview of hard determinism. Can it be lived? She says, no, not really. We live as though our choices do mean something. We are considered morally responsible. We're accountable for our actions, good and bad. What do we do? We, we put people on trial. We put some people in jail. We put some people to death. We uh, honor people. Uh, we, we talk about somebody being a hero. Well, we shouldn't say that. We shouldn't honor somebody doing something brave on the battlefield. If they're all determined, they're just doing whatever they had to do. Why would we get mad at Hitler? Why would we, why would we praise Mother Teresa? They're, they're just doing what their genetics and what their brain chemistry told them to do. And then she goes back to that killer that uh, Sam Harris talked about. Why punish him at all? If hard determinism is true, then moral responsibility is removed and the whole idea of justice is gone. So you can't punish bad behavior and you can't reward good behavior. She gives an example in the movie Hacksaw Ridge, a story of a Christian man, Desmond Doss. He was a pacifist. He served in World War II and he did all sorts of wonderful things, rescuing men. Roughly 75 men were saved by him. Unbelievable sacrifice. 
we, we honor him. But she said, if, here's the problem. If there's no libertarian free will, there's nothing to honor. He couldn't have done otherwise. Everything forced him to do that. So I think that's a really powerful thing to talk about. All right, so uh, I will wrap it up. I think we're kind of at the end of the chapter. Oh, yeah, I knew. I wanted to end on this. It's a, it's a long quote, so bear with me. It's from C.S. Lewis. How can we not do a podcast with, without C.S. Lewis? Absolutely not. So she uh, talks about C.S. Lewis here. It has a quote. She calls it his free won't quote. The other thing was, this is C.S. Lewis, that before God closed in on me, I was in fact offered what now appears a moment of holy free choice. In a sense, I was going up Headington Hill on the top of a bus without words, and I think almost without images, a fact about myself was somehow presented to me. I became aware that I was holding something at bay or shutting something out. I felt myself being there and then given a free choice. I could open the door or keep it shut. The choice appeared to be momentous, but it was also strangely unemotional. I was moved by no desires or fears. In a sense, I was not moved by anything. I chose to open, to unbuckle, to loosen the rein. I say, I chose, yet it did not really seem possible to do the opposite. On the other hand, I was aware of no motives. You could argue that I was not a free agent, but I'm more inclined to think that this came nearer to being a perfectly free act than not than most that I have ever done. So free will enables us to have a relationship with God. God wants us to come to him out of free will, not as a puppet. That's me talking. All right, well, so the book, again, is called Am I Just My Brain? Uh, good things to think about. Very uh, apropos these days. Uh, people are challenging the idea of free will, for example. Okay, thanks for being with me, and we'll do another podcast soon. <laughs>